the application process, they have to write an essay about the biggest obstacle they've overcome in their life. And me and the committee who who works on the on the hiring, like we're all in tears. We're all in tears looking at some of the adversity that people have that these early career people have faced before they've even left college. Mm-hmm. And you know that creates a lot of grit and it builds a lot of character mm-hmm. and. So again, like getting to know someone on a deeper level and mentoring them. So this is less about, you know, there is no world where anybody is getting me coffee. You know what I mean? Back in my <laughs> days in New York, even as an assistant, I was like, hey, Debbie, pick, can you pick up my dry cleaning? Hey, Debbie, will you babysit my kid? Hey, Debbie, will you walk my dog? You know, none of that is happening here at Grasslands. We're giving them really meaningful work, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's client work or whether it's internal Grasslands facing work and that they leave the 12 week experience with the project, with that mentorship, and with an open door to please come talk to me, talk to anybody at Grasslands about what you're thinking, your hopes, your dreams are, and how can we help you get there? This is Lit and Lucid, your after work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid. And we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back, consume your favorite cannabis products, and get cozy cozy in the the Lit and Lucid lifestyle. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. It is Thursday, and you know we are recording another episode of the show. On today's episode of the Homegrown series, Made in Colorado, we have Debbie McHugh. She is the chief of staff with Grasslands Agency. Grasslands was started by Ricardo Baca back in Denver, Colorado, specializing in PR, content marketing, and thought leadership work, amongst many other services, serving clients from highly regulated industries like cannabis. Today, Grasslands focuses on supporting clients through product launches, acquisitions and IPOs, crisis management, and more. We're super excited to have Debbie on the show today to tell us more about Grasslands' strong roots here in Colorado and how they've grown the business into assisting clients worldwide. So with that, welcome, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. We are big fans of Lit and Lucid here at Grasslands, so I'm thrilled to be speaking with you both today. Um, I am a little bit more behind the scenes, so please take it easy on me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And you're big fans of Grasslands as well. Uh, I believe you're the third guest we've had on the show from Grasslands. We've had Chloe Stearman and, of course, Ricardo himself. And so, uh, you know, we've been, you know, in, kind of intertwined with this journey of Grasslands since uh, the birth of it, since the inception. And uh, now, you know, it's grown into being an 18 person team. And you guys have a really nice new agency office in downtown Denver. And it, it's gorgeous. And, uh, so, you know, it's a great story to tell for us just because we've watched it grow. And it's really incredible just to watch the growth of Grasslands and, uh, you know, the new things you guys are continually coming up with. And, uh, you know, a lot of the new clients you guys are representing, it's really incredible. And I think you guys are a great brand, you know, and company to showcase in Colorado. So stoked to have you. But before we get too far into Grasslands, let's learn more about you, Debbie. Uh, you know, tell us a little sure. bit more about your background and kind of how that all led you to cannabis. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I started off my career in New York City media. So I, after graduating from college, I immediately moved uh, right into New York City, right into the thick of things. And I actually got my career um, started at Jane Magazine back in 1997. So um, as an office manager where I helped launch Jane Magazine um, alongside the visionary Jane Pratt, um, and funny story, at the time, Jane was owned by the mouse, by ABC Disney. Oh, wow. This was my dream job. Um, it was that first job in publishing, working <laughs> with this amazing visionary who was friends with all these big New York and L.A. celebrities. You know, this is like my chance. And, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the interview, they're like, oh, you know, Debbie, you're a great fit. Oh, you know, chances are you're going to get this drug. But, you know, you just have to take this drug test. So for me, I was like, Huh? Drug <laughs> test? What are you talking about here? Um, again, you know, I'm eager right out of college, you know, always had been a cannabis consumer, never a big drinker. And so for me, when they said, hey, this drug test, uh, my heart dropped. I was yeah. like, what if I do not get my dream job because I smoked a joint last night? So for me, I didn't put I did not beat around the bush. I walked right into a natural food store. 
I said, what do you got for me? <laughs> They're like, we have it. And we have a, a um, natural remedy in tea and in pill form. What would you like? And I'm like, I'll take both, please. Yeah. <laughs> so immediately took both the, took the pills, took the tea, went up to my drug test. Boom. Inconclusive results. There's no urine at all in your body. Oh so gosh. I had to go and do it again. Oh, no. And, you know, luckily I passed um, because, you know, it, you know, in all seriousness, you know, it was that moment when I thought, wow, am I not going to get my dream job because I smoked a joint right. last mm -hmm. week, last night? Um, so for me, that was really that like aha moment of like, wow this could hold me back in my career. And I oftentimes think like, had I not passed that drug test, what, what, what would my career trajectory have looked like? Um, so that's, you know, that was my first job out of college and my first experience with taking a drug test. It was a lot compacted in those few days, but yeah, really. so happy. Yeah. Insane, insane. And, um, so grateful for the natural food store that pointed me in the right direction as well. <laughs> lifesavers, um, yeah. Total lifesavers. So um, after my experience with Jane Magazine, I actually just continued to hold various editorial positions at other publications, working both at 17, at YM, um, back to Jane Magazine, and um, really was running editorial operations, you know, various jobs throughout the throughout my career, but always through the lens of publishing and mm. media. And as that industry started to evolve, so did my career. I got, you know, went from your print, just working solely in print to digital, mm. website, online learning, book publishing, podcasts, you know, yep. we were always looking. So my, my career evolved as the industry evolved, which I felt really blessed to be able to, you know, have all of this experience. Um, we, we did a lot with producing a lot of great content and then finding ways in which that we could repackage that content for additional revenue streams. So that was one of my specialties um, throughout my career. Um, but yeah, it was, it's been, it was a wild ride in New York City media. It was awesome. After 9-11 um, hit, I felt really unsafe. I felt really unstable. Um, luckily, I wasn't directly impacted, but every single person in the country and the world was impacted. Yeah. And so I actually, one night, two o'clock in the morning, I'm working, closing the magazine. I'm like, gosh, there's got to be something more. I feel like a sitting duck here in New York City <laughs> because when 9-11 hit, you couldn't get on or off the island. And I remember not liking that feeling, thinking maybe this is my time to branch out of New York City. Yeah. So two o'clock in the morning, I see a role posted at Aspen Magazine in Aspen, Colorado. I was a big skier. I was like, <laughs> yeah, let me just throw my resume in the mix. Here. <laughs> Got a call the next day. A month later, I was living in Aspen, Colorado as the managing editor at Aspen Magazine. So that's also where my love affair with Colorado first started as well. Um, so I was lucky to be able to continue my publishing career in Aspen, running Aspen Magazine, running the day-to-day -day of that. And then after that gig was up, I felt really like I had done the healing I needed to do personally and um, went back to New York, got back into the publishing industry there, did some time at Condé Nast and Rodale. And really, um, the last 10 years of my career were spent at Rodale Publishing, which at the time was the publisher for Men's Health, Women's mm -hmm. Health, Runner's World, Bicycling, and Prevention. Wow. So um, I know that was a lot, but you could probably tell that I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it's incredible. And that's why we like hearing people's journeys is because, you know, sometimes it may seem like a patchwork of things, but it's part of your journey that ultimately leads you somewhere and leads you to a, a place of purpose. And, uh, you know, can certainly understand, you know, New York City and the 9-11 being tough. And, uh, I, you know, I think it was all meant to be, though. You know, Aspen's a beautiful place. And, you know, I'm happy that you came out and then went back to New York City and kind of finished kind of probably what you started in New York City. And then now you're back in Colorado having fun. And, and I love the, uh, the initial story because I'm sure that the piece about, you know, the, the drug test and, and kind of that eye opener coming out of college, I'm sure that still stuck with you throughout all of your careers. And I'm sure you probably always had that in the back of your mind and thought, you know, this shouldn't be a thing. And so I think it's pretty incredible, you know, where you're at now and you're working with this. And, and I know we have some questions later 
uh, kind of still maybe revisiting some of that stigma that's attached to cannabis and, um, you know, curious to kind of see if that's evolved at all with your career. Absolutely. That is a perfect segue because really, you know, the last 10 years, again, I was at Men's Health and Women's Health. These are, these are active lifestyle. They're service journalism magazines. We are trying to help improve people's lives. And I was in hiding. I was a cannabis consumer the entire time I was at Men's Health. And, you know, after a really successful career at Men's Health and Rodale, I started when I shared with my colleagues at Men's Health and Women's Health that like I was going to move to Colorado and get into the cannabis space. I got shocked looks. <laughs> you, Debbie, really? You working in the cannabis space? Like I never would have guessed. And, and that conversation was repetitive and repetitive. Huh. And really, it gave me the opportunity right then and there to like start the education process because I love the fact that people wouldn't necessarily look at me, look at my background and be like, oh, yeah, you know, she's a stoner, you know. Um, but honestly, I'm not a drinker. Every single night after work at Men's Health, I would go home and I would do a bong hit. Every, some other people would go and, you know, have a glass of wine, a yep. bottle of wine, you know, you name it. And I <laughs> this was what I did to decompress. And, you know, for me, it gave me that opportunity to just, you know, do a little bit of education with my own colleagues to be like, hey, don't be so judgmental. Take a step back and and be more open to the fact that. Different people find different solutions. And whether I use it for fun, whether I use it as a way to unwind after a really busy, stressful day, you know, that's my choice. And um, and I'm proud of it. So I carry the cannabis consumer flag. You know, I, I think it's really important that I talk about that experience and that I was able to talk to. I mean, these are some amazing, groundbreaking editors winning awards. And it was giving me an opportunity to be like, hey. Have you ever thought about cannabis? Yep. Yeah. Have you ever thought about it? Because you really could benefit from it. I know that you're on lots of different prescription <laughs> drugs because you've shared that with me. <laughs> and maybe this is something that you should think about, you know, um, because I'm not judging you. Don't judge me. So I think, you know, it was really eye opening for a lot of people that I was currently working with to say that, like, oh, wait, Debbie does want Debbie is not your average, quote unquote, stoner. She doesn't yeah. look the part. But you know what? So many people do not look the part. And what is that part anymore? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, that was kind of what one of our questions was. And you've already kind of touched on that a little bit. But so now I'm curious it now, you know, you've been a cannabis, you know, media professional now for however many years. Are you still feeling that stigma from other professionals or is it kind of, you know, shifted away since you've been in it for a while and Grasslands is doing this amazing work? How does it feel now? That's a great question. I've been at Grasslands for three and a half years now. So I'm only three and a half years into my cannabis career. Every day I'm learning something new. But I'd say that it is still a stigma. And, you know, whether it is visiting my um, my family in Florida at the retirement community and I've got, you know, I'm kind of surrounded. I, I hold court at the pool and I have, you know, surrounded by people who are like, Oh, Debbie, I hear you're into cannabis. And, you know, they, they whisper it and they're like, you know, I've had conversations. With people, I didn't know there were other things besides smoking it. Like, right. you know, these are yeah. people in their seventies and eighties that are dealing with all sorts of chronic pain. And they're all coming to me. Hey, Debbie, would you go with me? Will you come with me? Will you go with me to that dispensary? And will you help me get that medical license? And, you know, I'm educating them about, you know, things like topicals, things yeah. like tinctures, things that don't require, you know, putting smoke into your lungs. Again, whatever works for you. They didn't even know that. So, again, yes, I, I think there is a stigma. Um, I like to address it head on. Mm -hmm. um, just yesterday morning, I was watching, I still watch network television and I still love listening to like the morning news mm -hmm. and CBS um, morning had a segment on uh, marijuana and they were talking about the stigma on marijuana. And so I was tuned in and I'm like, I can't wait. I was blown away by the fact that there is still this massive, massive stigma. This is a media market in New York City. They were asking people on the street, oh, hey, and everyone's giggling and ooh, we're giggling. And I'm like, I can't wait to that point where we're no longer giggling yeah. about it or we're feeling that we have to whisper. So, yeah. yes, I definitely think the stigma is still there. I didn't as much until I saw that CBS you know, morning show and I was like, oh, wow. 
it is much bigger. I think sometimes here in Colorado, we live in our own bubble. And then within the Colorado bubble, sometimes we live within our own bubble within the Colorado bubble, you know? So I think the work that we're doing with Grasslands and our clients is so incredibly important, whether it's talking about topicals, tinctures, you know, whatever it is that's going to, you know, I hate that saying, but it's true. Like meet people where they are, Mm -hmm. you know, again, holding court at the pool in Sarasota, Florida, I had a whole, I literally had a whole group of people being like, tell us more, Debbie. And what about this? And I will say to them, what do you have to lose? You know, like you're 70, you're in a ton of pain. Like, what do you have to lose? And it's like, oh yeah, Debbie, I tried that. And it was really helpful. I'm like, great. Tell your friends, tell your friends. This is a drug that has been, you know, stigmatized for way too long. And it's time for us to kind of lift that. Right. Yeah. I always, you know, say this and I think those that are most against it could probably benefit the most from it. And it may, you know, and, and they're thinking in their head, you know, oh, I'm not going to smoke a joint or take a bong rip, but I'm immediately thinking of like gummies or you know, topicals or any of these things that, you know, even like sublinguals or patches or there's a number of different ways to consume now. And I think that's ultimately what blows their mind is they just, their head just goes to like, I would never smoke something or I'd never take a bong rip or any of this stuff. And I think they're blown away to find out uh, that cannabis isn't just those things. And I'll say too that, you know, and in my experience with some of this is, you know, you were mentioning that some of your colleagues face when you, uh, you know, talked about cannabis, they, their jaw dropped and they were shocked. And I think we need more of that in a way, because I think the shock was more of like, I would have never suspected Debbie uh, was a cannabis consumer. And they're shocked because of that. And I think the more people that come out and kind of create that reaction, that shock, I think that's going to be ultimately uh, the leverage that cannabis needs to, to break the stigma even more, to show people that there are professional people that get shit done and get their work done and do it in a professional manner, uh, cross their T's, dot their I's, and and they consume cannabis. And, and there's nothing, you know, it's it's like we don't, you know, stigmatize alcoholics by being like, oh, would you write that email and uh, just finish your beer off or something? Like, we don't make comments like that. And uh, but somebody may, you know, make a comment of like, were you stoned when you wrote that? And I think that's the stuff that needs to ultimately change because there are professionals out here and and everybody has a different route of, you know, reaching relaxation and uh, we should have that freedom. I agree, Jared. And I think also like, it's okay for it to be fun, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's okay that if, if cannabis is something that you just enjoy because it takes you out of your own headspace and it's for fun. Or today we were having a conversation in the, in the office that some of my colleagues like really enjoy, you know, taking a five milligram Chibichu um, taffy before a big workout and it just helps them go. focus. And again, these, these, these uses that people have found to help them, whether it's to get through a workout or to sleep better at night Um, You know, my father had uh, stage four lung cancer and with his lung cancer came a lot of pain. And, you know, I was able to get him a topical and it was the only thing that really helped relieve his pain. How dare someone deny that to him? You know, like he is on the, you know, the last months of his life. How dare someone deny him some level of comfort and to be more lucid with his family so he's not on opioids and not having to maybe take as many so that we can reminisce and we can talk and we can share those stories. Like cannabis gave us more quality time with our father before he passed away. And that's something I'll always be really grateful for. And he was somebody that was never open to it. It was scary for him. I had to like sit with him. I had to be like, see dad, this is how you put it on just like any other lotion and, and see how you feel and, and be able to like almost be that ambassador and show people. And I think those are the meaningful ways that anybody in this industry who's helping to try to destigmatize can do, whether it's holding court at the retirement home mm-hmm. and educating and talking about your own personal experience and maybe being vulnerable about that as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, I love that you're so passionate about cannabis and it's really been a part of your life since the beginning, even, you know, throughout your career journey, like since day one, cannabis has been a part of your life. And so I love that now it's kind of come full circle and this is what you get to do for your job, right? Is help. <laughs> clients, you know, spread the message of cannabis or whatever their product of service is. Um, But speaking more on the professional side, so I know you worked with, you know, these Rodale brands like Women's Health and Men's Health and Runner's World. Do you feel like those experiences at those 
you know, working with those brands helps you now, you know, with your clients, like now you get to go maybe back to women's health and be like, we have this cannabis brand, like this is what they're offering. Like, does that help legitimize you guys a little bit more? Like, what does that experience do for you? 100%. 100%. Because again, it's more education, right? It gives me the opportunity to speak to the digital director at Men's Health and be like, hey, I'm curious. Why aren't you guys covering cannabis? And he can give me some intel about why or in which way they would cover it. And, you know, Men's Health is a really, you know, it's a wonderful publication. Everything they do is backed by science and studies. So the more we do research, the more we are able to do research on this plant, the more mainstream publications like Men's Health will be able to talk about it because they do need the research to back it up. They are responsible journalists. They can't just speak anecdotally to Mm -hmm. things. They want that science to back it up. So absolutely, it allows us to have conversations, um, to open those doors. Um, And then we, you know, we take the entry when we can, you know, Men's Health had done a CBD awards and and we could pitch our clients directly to the person um, for our CBD awards. And and we're able to get some of our clients with really wonderful products into Men's Health. So it does help, you know, if we can dip our toe in by talking about CBD, uh, CBD and cannabinoid science, and then get the audience more comfortable mm-hmm. with talking more deeply about, about cannabis and THC. Um, I, absolutely, that experience really, really has helped. And also, you know, in terms of just, you know, as the chief of staff, I'm doing all the hiring here. So I'm in charge of, of bringing up that next cannabis professional, making sure that the passion that I have and Ricardo and a lot of our leadership here at Grasslands is passed on to these new career people um, who are looking to get into cannabis. Um, as I mentioned, I've only been at Grasslands in my cannabis career for three and a half years. And in that three and a half years, I've seen an incredible shift uh, when I'm recruiting. Incredible shift of people who are like, yeah, cannabis is kind of interesting to, oh, I want to be in cannabis PR. It's not just interesting to me. It is my passion. And um, I was affected by, you know, the war on drugs. And, you know, they they have their own story, whereas three and a half years ago, they didn't have, I wasn't seeing those types of candidates. So, again, just being able to groom that next passionate cannabis consumer, uh, cannabis professional is is really kind of what gets me up every day um, to do this job because, you know, cannabis startup, it's hard, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely not without its challenges, but I love it. And again, I feel so passionate about passing that on to the next generation of career professionals in this space. And I think you guys are definitely doing that. I mean, even just seeing, you know, on LinkedIn or, you know, the publicists that we work with, like they're definitely high level professionals and they come from very legitimate backgrounds and educational backgrounds and experiences in PR. And the fact that they are, you know, a lot of them even are moving to Colorado for this position with Grasslands. And that's incredible, right? Like you guys are one of the top PR, you know, cannabis, you know, agencies in the U.S. right now, in my opinion. And so that's that's great. I like I love that. Um, but I think, you know, for anybody who doesn't really know what Grasslands does, maybe just tell them a little bit more about, you know, the services that you offer to your clients. Absolutely. So we are a PR and marketing agency here in Denver. And so we'll help. We'll do anything from anything with clients from helping them with their messaging. We see a lot of people early on um, that are looking to start cannabis businesses and they can't really talk about who they are, what makes them different. Oftentimes they'll be like, Will we grow the best weed? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody (laughs) says that. Like, what makes it different? What's your background? What are you doing? What are your processes? So we can start really early on with businesses who are just trying to like find their footing, right? And they need some help with messaging or they need some help with their website. Their website may be outdated. And I'll say like, hey, the last thing we want to do is drive media or eyeballs to a website that doesn't really represent who you are and where you're going. So before we start and even talk about PR or, you know, advertising or anything like that, let's kind of get some of your identity, as we call our identity stage, kind of um, solidified. Let's get that messaging done. Let's understand who your various customers are and how you speak to each of those customers differently. And then, um, again, website copy. And then as, you know, then we have offerings for businesses that are a little bit maybe more established and they need um, blog writing 
um, some of that, what we call owned media, where it's like mm. you own those blogs, you're telling your story, but you're also providing value to the industry in those blogs. Um, so we will do uh, blog writing, any type of content that you can think of, whether it's sales enablement material. Um, we also, our marquee service is really our PR. Mm-hmm. And that is that earned media where we are talking to third parties like yourselves, journalists, and telling our clients' story. So we all all know that uh, earned media is the most trusted form of media because even as our own consumers, as, as consumers ourselves, we recognize when a journalist tells us, oh yeah, this is a great product. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> well, we know they're a journalist. We know that they are fair and balanced. So uh, we definitely um, love our PR clients. We are working with some of the best brands, both here in Colorado, outside of Colorado, everything from professional services industry, lab testing, you know, consultants, um, to brands, to brands that are producing product. Um, I always like to say that, you know, in the cannabis space, it's so interesting because we work in all the various different verticals, right? We work in technology, we work in CPG. It's just all through the lens of cannabis. So we're pitching, you know, the, um, we're pitching the same outlets that any other tech business would be pitching, um, you know, whether that is a tech crunch or also our industry trade. So we are in the tech space, we're in the CPG space, we're in the professional services space, all helping our clients tell their story, um, whether that's through thought leadership work um, in terms of op-ed pieces, uh, drafting and writing them, or getting our clients on stage at the various events, speaking opportunities to talk to their target audiences. So everything from messaging for early, early, and not even just early cannabis companies. Some cannabis companies, four years, six years in, need some messaging work redone. Like, oh yeah, we changed so much. This is like a whole new world five years in. How do we need to update our messaging? So we, um, those are a, those are some of the services that we offer. And again, we are working with clients coast to coast, um, including um, also our friends up in Canada. That's a lot of fun. You know, it's pretty incredible. And I like that you touched on that, you know, cannabis is so far reaching. And I and I know that, you know, people just think of cannabis and I'm sure they just like equate it with like it's its own like ecosystem, but they don't realize that within that ecosystem, uh, there has to be like all different facets that support this industry. Because as I'm sure you're aware as chief of staff, like a lot of, you know, outside companies don't necessarily want to work with cannabis. And, and we've seen that we've highlighted a few so far, even like payroll companies and stuff. And it's almost like cannabis has had to create this own ecosystem uh, to support the cannabis industry on its own. Just like we're talking to uh, you guys and you guys are a PR and marketing agency that basically is rooted in cannabis and has got your start in cannabis. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious kind of on your angle, you know, I know you've been at Grasslands for three and a half years. Uh, do you see the tide shifting, especially on, on kind of your end of like more companies on the outside trying to get involved in cannabis versus, or at least opening up to it um, versus, you know, these companies having to be created like internally within the cannabis industry to support it. Like are there more professionals trying to kind of move into cannabis and, and be a part of it now? Yes, absolutely. I would say that it's, it's a, it's, we're making progress. I think you see some traditional companies who are, there's money, right? Where there's Mm -hmm. some money, they think, oh, you know, there's this money here. We have a service that we have a service. We have a product that would benefit this industry. Yes, let's start dipping our toe into the cannabis space. But what I'm also seeing, so it's great. It's awesome. Welcome. Come uh, all of, please come, you know, bring, bring your best practices from your other industry into cannabis. But I'm also seeing that a lot of these companies want to have their side. They don't want their parent company Mm. to be associated with cannabis. So they will form a secondary company um, under their bigger umbrella because they themselves are afraid of um, backlash for maybe some of their clients in the traditional industry. So, oh, geez, what will they think if we're working in cannabis? Mm -hmm. So what I'm excited about is seeing that lift. Like, I love that they want to get into the space, they're developing services and products for the space, but I really look forward to the day where they don't feel like they have to have a separate website where they can be very proud underneath their nav bar that they have a service called cannabis and Mm -hmm. that people can search that. So I appreciate the steps for sure and recognize that this whole industry was built on 
just taking smaller steps, taking smaller steps. So I think if we were to talk in a year from now, my answer, of course, would be different. But right now, what I'm seeing is absolutely some other businesses, whether it's packaging companies that realize that, oh, we work in child-resistant packaging. Oh, cannabis requires child-resistance packaging. We should have a cannabis offer. (laughs) Yes, absolutely do that. You're leaving money on the table. But boy, I can't wait till you don't feel like you have to hide that you're the parent company. Right. Right. And I almost feel like it's, it's, it's almost a blessing. They're kind of coming to you guys in a way, because I feel like you guys are the perfect people to, to take kind of a traditional company that's like trying to dip their toe in, but they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared of like the messaging I'm going to use. And and I just feel like you guys are the the perfect fit to be like, here's the message you need to, you need to use. And like, here's the best way to kind of soften the approach. While at the same time, I feel like you guys are still pushing this mission of like trying to destigmatize it and make it more open and palatable to the public. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate the work you guys do. And I I think it's a, it's a very, you know, if there is a company on the outside looking in, I would say go to grasslands because I think uh, it'll make the blow softer. And I also think that you guys are going to articulate things in such a way uh, to help shape those perceptions and, and steer them away from like a packaging company being like, we're just slapping weed on our package now. I think there's a very thoughtful way to go about integrating these traditional companies into the cannabis industry. Yeah, absolutely, Jared. We'd love to be able to provide that value to our clients too, or just even prospects. Oftentimes we're just having conversations. They'll come to us and then maybe a year or two later, they'll be a client of ours. But I think one thing that is really different about Grasslands is we consider ourselves thought partners to our clients. It's like, we're just not ticket takers, you know? Yep. We're not just like, hey, go do this and we do it. It's like, no, you're hiring us for our strategy, for our experience, both in cannabis and outside of cannabis. So you know, yes, we understand you're nervous and that's okay. We're there to help you. We'll, we'll offer oftentimes do what we call a messaging map where we say, okay, your internal stakeholders, here's how you're going to message this new cannabis division with your internal staff. Hmm. Here's how you're going to message that with your external stakeholders, with your supply chain, you know? And so that way there we're doing, we're being very intentional about Hmm. how we're messaging this new cannabis vertical we may have at our legacy company. So we are being very, thoughtful and putting together those messaging maps. And sometimes that's that's all they'll need. They'll be like, yes, perfect. We need this messaging map. That's really helpful. And then when they're ready for the next thing, we're ready for them. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. And that's what I think, you know, sometimes is missing from these companies that do, you know, just transition into cannabis because maybe they think they see the dollar signs or whatever it may be, but they're missing that authenticity and the story behind it. So, you know, if they don't have that good story to bring, you know, to the consumers or to work with other companies, like they're going to miss the mark either way. And so I think, I do think it's really important to work with, you know, like an agency like Grasslands that does do that work on the front end to help really establish, you know, the messaging and the branding and, you know, everything's coherent moving forward because if not you're going to miss the mark in like three years you're going to be completely you know sold out by somebody who is more authentic so I think that's really important I know we always talk to a lot of clients about that like before we even work with them like what is your brand mission here and like if we don't have one like we should create one now because (laughs) if not you have no place to go from here. Absolutely. The values of the company drive a lot of the hiring right now too. Like, you know, early career people are looking for that. They're looking to be part of something bigger than themselves. They want to understand those company values and align with those company values. So spending the time to think, what are our values for this, for this new brand? How do we, how are we going to be authentic in this space? Otherwise people, we certainly know everyone on the cannabis space can sniff that out and be like, Mm -hmm. we know what you're up to. We know what you're up to. And you know what? We are, we don't support that. So again, being really intentional, understanding your message and understanding the why, the why, what, Mm -hmm. why it has to be more than money. It just has to be more than money. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. All right. Well, speaking of some other important whys, I know that Grasslands also offers um, this new diversity and marketing internship. And that's really a big, strong passion of Ricardo's and, you know, part of your company mission as well. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, my 
gosh, it's my pleasure. This is probably like the, the thing that I am the most proud of, other than, <laughs> of course, you know, developing and nurturing some of our talent here. But, you know, our diversity and marketing internship program, it really came out of both Ricardo and I being frustrated. I'm like, wow, I, I have to do more than just get on a Zoom interview and just hope the person is is of diverse background in some way, shape, or form. Um, I have to do better. And what can we do? And I'm like, we've got to get people early on. We've got to get those early career people understanding, giving them that experience in cannabis, but also removing a lot of the financial obstacles that are in the way. You know, I myself, I couldn't afford to do an unpaid internship. So I didn't do one, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and luckily that didn't really hurt me in my career. But nowadays things have changed and you do need those meaningful relationships. So our diversity and marketing internship program, um, we just just picked our 22 cohort. Um, This year we expanded the program to three um, because we got an incredible, we got double the amount of applicants we got in our first year. So we launched the program last year, um, had two amazing interns, Andre and Eric. Andre is still at Grasslands. Um, A year later, uh, he interned and he's been promoted twice within the year that he has been with us, which is (laughs) But the spirit of this program is 100% about. And again, he helped shape what our program will look like this year, which again is now three people. Um, This really came about besides, besides both Ricardo and I feeling like we have to do something, we have to be better. It was really personal for Ricardo. He got, you know, he was brought up by a single mom, Mm -hmm. indigenous. He got his start at the Rocky Mountain uh, News. They were able to give him um, a stipend to to work there, and that really launched his career. We all we both felt like it was really important that we give back. Um, so again, this program we pay sixteen dollars an hour, and we also um, have a seven hundred and fifty dollar a month housing stipend to help uh, offset some of those costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the program um, is twelve weeks. And again, it is, it is my pride and joy. It is, it's the pinnacle of my career. It is helping people launch their careers and giving people an opportunity that is part of an underserved community that doesn't always get that same shot. Um, You know, at Jane, um, to go back to my Jane magazine days, Mm -hmm. oftentimes we'd have somebody at the top from ABC saying, hey, I need my daughter. I need my son. I need my friend of a friend. I need this celebrity's child to get an internship at Jane. And, And of course, we would say yes, and we would do it. And I always thought, you know, that person has all the shot in the mm-hmm. world. What about the person that doesn't have that fair shot? Mm-hmm. So that's what this program, that's really the spirit of this program. And we're always looking to evolve it. You know, it's hard for me because I know it could be even better. Um, but we do involve our clients and give our um give all of our diversity and marketing students an opportunity to work on a project throughout the 12 weeks. So at the end of the 12 weeks, they have something really tangible that Mm -hmm. they can show. Here is a direct, here's what I did during my internship at Grasslands. So um, we do have people in the office. We do encourage networking. So it's beyond just PR and marketing. It's also just developing strategic um, strategic professionals in cannabis. So again, trying to elevate the industry, bring in people with great varied backgrounds um, and give them a fair shot. And then hopefully hire them. You know, that's the end all be all to, to, to be able to hire them. But also if it isn't a great fit, they don't like startup culture, if they don't like agency life, how meaningful is that for an intern to know? Oh, wow, I didn't love that. So I'm going to look for something else. You know, mm-hmm. luckily for us, most of our interns have absolutely loved the experience and loved what they have learned. Um, but again, we look forward to, to building it out and uh, to building it out and making it better year after year after year because there's so much potential here. I agree. I think that's incredible of you guys, and and you know, I, I think it goes without saying, but you guys are changing people's lives and and you know, just giving them the opportunity, just like you said of. Of, you know, some people don't have that opportunity. And, and especially I can imagine, I've never even been in New York City, but it sounds like a lot of people. And it sounds like, you know, it's a difficult place to kind of get your foot in the door. And, and I'm sure there's other, some, uh, some other markets that are big for PR and media. But I think, you know, uh, having this opportunity for individuals to just get the experience, like you said, I think that's invaluable. And then also, I know, uh, you know, I'm not too far removed from college myself. And so even getting these first couple jobs, I know 
Um, some people require experience and some people require some type of, you know, reference or, or network or a portfolio of work. And so it sounds like you guys are really, uh, you put together a robust program um, to if they don't, you know, if you guys don't retain them and hire them, they're going to be set up for success in the future already of just, you know, they can take the next step after this or uh, further their career, or, uh, have the opportunity to explore the next thing. So, uh, you know, you guys are absolutely changing lives and I'm really proud to, you know, know you guys and know you guys are putting this forward, especially in, uh, you know, our local market here in Denver. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, I really, again, it, it is something that we're really passionate about here. And, and you know, each, in order, the application process, they have to write an essay about the biggest obstacle they've overcome in their life. And me and the, the committee who who works on the, on the hiring, like, we're all in tears. We're all in tears looking at some of the adversity that people have, that these early career people have faced before they've even left college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that creates a lot of grit and it builds a lot of character mm-hmm. and, so again, like getting to know someone on a deeper level and mentoring them. So this is less about, you know, there is no world where anybody is getting me coffee. You know what I mean? Back in my <laughs> days in New York, even as an assistant, I was like, hey, Debbie, pick, can you pick up my dry cleaning? Hey, Debbie, will you babysit my kid? Hey, Debbie, will you walk my dog? You know, none of that is happening here at Grasslands. We're giving them really meaningful work, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's client work or whether it's internal Grasslands facing work and that they leave the 12 week experience with the project, with that mentorship, and with an open door to please come talk to me, talk to anybody at Grasslands about what you're thinking, your hopes, your dreams are, and how can we help you get there? So we invest um, a lot in our people and a lot in our programs. And I think that's why you guys stand out. I mean, I remember back in 2018 when Ricardo first started Grasslands, he had this happy hour and I was a blogger and like I wasn't doing anything. Like I maybe had a couple of (laughs) blogs on this website. Like It was nothing. And I remember I hit him up and he's like, oh, come to my party. And I was like so nervous. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything about cannabis. And he invited me and he let me come. And I just remember how nice he was to me. Like, I was nobody and he would walk me around and introduce me to other people. And it, it stuck in my mind and talk about a mentor. Like I consider Ricardo a mentor too. And so I can only imagine, you know, what this program offers to, you know, these young business professionals entering the mm-hmm. industry, all the skill sets they are learning and everything, you know, Grasslands is providing them. So kudos to you guys, like both of you, you know, the whole staff, it's really amazing, you know, what you've done over the years and how much you're going to grow into the future. I appreciate that. This year, we really involved more of our team members, too. So like getting more of, you know, so people understand it's really hard to interview people. Oh, by the way, it's really hard when you have 10 amazing candidates (laughs) to tell nine no and pick the one. So it was great for me this year to kind of share some of that with my colleagues. So again, every year we're looking for it to get better. And we always create space for people here at Grassland. One of our big values is that over-the-top hospitality. And we want people to feel welcome. We want people to feel like it's a safe space to ask any and all questions, you know? And I'm when I'm interviewing people, I have this, I've got to come up with a new reference. But I oftentimes am saying, you know, yes, we work in the cannabis space. Um, but, you know, we don't sit around and, and smoke weed all day. Mm-hmm. Just like people at Budweiser don't sit around and drink <laughs> Budweiser all day. We operate at a high level. We are professional services and we expect everyone else on our team to as well. That said, when we have those happy hours like you attended, you know, it's like they're a blast. They're great. It gives us a chance to all be together, to network, to introduce each other, you know, and make connections. Because I think ultimately one thing that I love about the cannabis space is how free people are with their knowledge and sharing that. You don't always see that in other industries. It's like, oh, yes, I learned that the hard way. So let me prevent you from learning it the hard way. Here's what my experience was. And I I think that that is just so incredibly meaningful when we can bring people together in our space, connect people and have those really meaningful conversations, whether it's about helping someone shape their career, whether about launching a brand, whether it's about destigmatizing policy work, whatever it is, just having the conversation and creating space for it is so incredibly important to us at Grasslands. Yeah, I, I just have to share something real quick. This is totally unrelated. But talking about the happy hours at Grasslands, I think the time we met you, 
Jared and I weren't like dating or anything. We were like courting each other or something, but I had invited him to come to a happy hour with me at Grasslands and that's where we met you. And so it's just like really fond memories of Grasslands happy yeah. hours. I feel like I went to the one in 2018. Was that, were you there in 2018? I started December of 2018. So that was exactly when I started. And I feel like I remember just being completely, of course, I'd have it no other way, thrown in <laughs> and, and, you know, and being like, oh gosh, I, I don't want to say the wrong things. I remember I was like stuffing cones so that we could have some joints <laughs> to offer at the happy hour. And I had a panic attack and I called my friend. I'm like, I work at Grasslands now. I can't have a joint that canoes or I can't have a joint that's really. So like I would literally showed up at their doorstep with my, with my weed stash, my cones, my gear. And I was like, please tell me I'm doing this right. <laughs> you know, I don't want to roll 30. I don't want to prepack 30 cones only for none of them to like smoke. Well, yeah. uh, that would be embarrassing to me. So it's interesting how we all sometimes show up with those vulnerabilities, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm afraid. I don't know anybody, you know, but you still <laughs> went and same thing with me. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I, I, it's fine enough for me, but wow, now I'm representing grasslands and right. I need to make sure that, you know, I'm doing this properly and that I'm not like just, because I don't care. I'm so used to just taking anything. I was just happy to have any weed in New York. Right. Now coming to Colorado, you mean I have choices? <laughs> I've gotten, you know, I've got choices. I talk those bud tenders ears off when I go into my dispensaries because I love to hear what they, what bud tenders like, what people are talking about, what questions they ask. I, I say like some women love, you know, shoe stores. I love dispensaries. <laughs> That's awesome. That's you're pretty great. fun. Yeah. I think, you know, this whole thing has been incredible. And I think you're an incredible person, Debbie, for what you've brought to the table and and helped kind of shape within your own, if you're doing a role at Grasslands and and also, you know, your background and what you've been through and your passion for the plant. I think, uh, you know, we're proud to, to know you really and have you kind of down the street from us and in Denver. And, um, you know, we couldn't be more proud. I'm curious, though. You know, what advice do you have for those who may be in, you know, your previous position that may be wanting to make the leap to cannabis and fear those stigmas and don't know how their family or their, you know, past colleagues are going to look at that? Do you have any advice for anybody who may be looking to make that transition? Sure. Um, I think first and foremost is, you know, expanding your network. Having You would be so surprised at the amount of people who are cannabis consumers who don't talk about it, right? And so I think, especially with so many states having, you know, rec programs, medical programs, you know, it's it's already, you know, heading in the direction of more conversations. But I think first and foremost, I would say to anybody, you know, listen, don't worry about your family. You know, like, yeah, maybe that's not fair to say. Of course, <laughs> you have to take your family into consideration. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if it's an industry you want to be in that you're passionate about, you should be proud of it. Be mm -hmm. proud that it's something that you're looking to um, to to get into into the industry. So I oftentimes I will say like freelancing is a great space to get into. So for some of our marketing and PR um, professionals that may be listening, you know, it's like, hey, find an agency like Grasslands. How can you be of service? You know, hey, I've been writing for you know twenty years. I now really want to start writing about cannabis. So. Could I have, I like to call it a knowledge exchange. Hey, we need amazing writers. You've got a great pedigree of writing, but you want to learn cannabis? Great. You can learn that on our dime. We can teach you some of cannabis and you have those great writing skills. So oftentimes my, my thing has been like start freelancing, start taking on a job. Maybe you're, it's not about the money. At least my, my recommendation is Try to make it not about the money if you can, um, so that you can just learn and you can yeah. get the knowledge and then the money will follow, you know? So I think it really is about, about getting that hands-on experience, whether it's freelancing at a professional services company, or if you're curious and you're like, yeah, I wonder what it would be like to, to be a brand, to work on the brand level of a cannabis brand, you know? have the conversation. I find that people on LinkedIn are more than happy to talk to somebody about cannabis. If someone reaches out to me on LinkedIn, no matter how busy I am, I'll sometimes say, hey, my first priority is X. But if you reach out to me in two weeks, I'd love to have a conversation with you about how you could get into it. So I think it's just always fair to be transparent about your own timing and your own bandwidth um, and how much you want to help somebody. But at the end of the day, we all benefit by bringing 
bringing in more people to this industry um, that want to be in it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not in the business of trying to convince someone to be in cannabis Mm -hmm. if they don't want to. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not here to sell you on that. But if you have a passion for it, absolutely. You start freelancing. You start building your network. You start going to events that may be happening in your backyard. You start participating at the policy level in your local government, sitting in on those town hall meetings. Like, oh, what are they talking about? I'm curious. Mm -hmm. So you can start talking the talk. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's like very valuable and like unique advice. Thank you. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, one a couple final questions for you. So we're asking all of our guests this season, what is your favorite place to eat in Colorado? It's so hard to narrow it down to just two. <laughs> uh, to, to, sorry, to just one. You can pick two. Give you two. I so love it. There you go. You uh, um, I am the biggest fan of Blue Pan, Blue Pan Pizza. Ooh. They are a block away from me in the Highlands. Um, very dangerous, amazing, amazing, amazing a Detroit style pizza. Mm-hmm. And they recently just expanded. So now you can actually eat in their space. Before it was, you had to take it to go, mm-hmm. but now you can actually sit and have a proper meal there. So that feels really exciting. <laughs> um, my other favorite is. Uh, Spatino, which is um, also in the Highlands. Mm. Um, They recently were just nominated for a James Beard Award, I believe. Um, But their Instagram page is awesome. First of all, the food is amazing. (laughs) But their Instagram page is super unique. They write everything in poems. So all of their posts are written this really creative way. And then their food completely backs it up. They are seasonal. They change up their menu. It's always unique pairings you're like really i'm gonna put that with that and you're like i'm gonna trust the chef Mm -hmm. and (laughs) they never disappoint they never disappoint so blue pan pizza in the highlands and uh spatino also in the highlands are my two go-to i don't leave the neighborhood too too much quite honestly because there's so much great food in the highlands nice yeah we don't venture to the highlands very often but those sound like two really good spots really I know, Delicious. yeah, I'm like afraid to go to the Instagram page because I'm just thinking like it's already making me hungry thinking about it. But if I get to scroll and I'll be like drooling on my phone. <laughs> and I love sitting at their bars, Bettina. Like I love, I have a bar. I, I think it goes back to my New York City days. I love bellying up to the bar, getting to know the bartender, having yeah. those conversations with the people sitting next to you. It's a little bit more social. So they also have a great, great uh, bar um, at Spatino too. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Uh, Well, Debbie, you've been so fun to talk to. Uh, One final question for you, though. We are the Lit and Lucid podcast. So are you lit or are you lucid? I'm lucid right now, but as soon as we wrap here, I am going to, I am going to be lit on some Veritas flower, my absolute Ooh. favorite flower. So um, definitely, as we wrap here, that will be what I do when I am on my couch at home. There do you know you go. what strain you That's got exciting. from Veritas? Oh, I love their. Um, they're uh, sour diesel. Oh, nice. There you go. Holy cow. That's like a great strain. Yeah. That's a classic. Yes. We just had a really good it's one from them too recently. And what was it? it? What do we have? Ooh. Oh, it's escaping I wanted my brain. to remember the name so bad too and I forgot. Oh, it's like <laughs> Well, right you have there. to email it to me. I'm always I'm always up for trying oh. any of their new strains. Or I'm more of a sativa person, so I like like the productive. I call it productive weed. Yeah. Like, I like doing that and cleaning my house or, you know, taking my dog for a walk or something like that. But yeah, always looking forward to that lit moment after a busy day. (laughs) That's great. That helped. Slurricane. 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 (laughs) Ah, Awesome. (laughs) I'm going to, I don't think I've tried that. I'm going to have to check it out. Oh man. He smoked it too fast. And I know they're doing like this phenotype thing right now with a phenotype hunt where you can check out their new, it's like garlic breath or something. If you're local and they're at, um, what is the dispensary by us? Nature's? Uh, no. Oh, Native Roots? Native Roots, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's go. kind yes. of fun for Colorado locals. Yeah. I would Absolutely. Grab just... some Blue Pan pizza and <laughs> grab some Veritas weed and like, you're set. You're set. You are set. It, then it is a perfect Thursday night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I love it. Well, Debbie, you've been great. Uh, we always appreciate it. And, you know, we appreciate you sharing your journey with us. And uh, we certainly look forward to uh, to kind of following your journey. And I think and you guys are doing incredible work uh, today. And I can't wait really to see what you guys are doing tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you both so much for having me. And, and again, you know, we, we do do great work and we are always trying to be better. So we're always trying to improve. So whether it's our diversity and marketing internship program, every time we hire someone, we're always looking to be better. So um, certainly appreciate the feedback and it's been 
a real pleasure talking to you both today. All right, Debbie, thanks so much. And with that, I'm Lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. Laters.